The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for important causes and issues like financial literacy. That is why so many people listen to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show. Lionel is a seasoned veteran in the finance industry, but more importantly, Lionel cares about people. He shares his vast knowledge of the finance world in a personal way that goes beyond dollars and cents, with advice that makes sense. So let Lionel help you get your finances in order, or avoid costly errors in judgment that may be devastating to you and your family. Listen to the Lionel Shipman Check Your Finances show every Tuesday exclusively on the CWR Talk Network at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central. And hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show here on the CWR Talk Network. And I am your host, Lionel Shipman. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, I want to give a big, huge shout out to all of my regular listeners Thank you so much for listening in and tuning in week after week. And I want to give a big shout out and a big huge thank you for all of my new listeners. Thank you so much for joining in tonight, and hopefully you will continue to listen in on the shows uh, in the future. And I want to give a huge thanks to God for another day to make a positive difference in the lives of other people. Now, my show is a financial and life empowerment show focusing in on improving your financial outlook and giving you life lessons. That means educating you in the other areas of life, mind, body, and spirit, to help you live life to the fullest. So in a nutshell, we are here simply to help you. So we have a wonderful, great show tonight. Uh, Tonight is the last, but surely not the least, episode of the Women in Finances series here on the Ship Your, uh, on the, I can't get my words out tonight, uh, the Shape Your Finances show. Uh, like I said, we have been doing this series. We started back in January and we're concluding uh, the show, uh, the series uh, this evening. And we've had a great lineup of different guests, female guests from various backgrounds, uh, talking about their professions, talking about money, talking about finances, talking about uh, some of the achievements and, and challenges uh, that they have faced and how they overcame. So I would encourage you, if you haven't heard any of the previous episodes, uh, you can go to my website at www.shipmanconsulting.com. Click on the microphone. It'll take you over to uh, the page that I've dedicated strictly for the show. And you can see a gallery that I've created of all the past guests. But I have a special section for the Women in Finances series. So please check that out when you get a chance. Now, tonight, uh, if you had any questions and or comments, uh, you can call in at 917-889-8078. Again, that number is 917-889-8078. And if you're not aware, you can listen to all of the replays of all these shows. If you're not, you know, unable to listen in to a live show that we're doing tonight, you can always catch uh, the live, the uh, replay of the shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play, Spotify, and most recently, iHeartRadio. So let's get started. Well, were you in for a treat? 
I know you've seen some of the social media postings, but I have Dr. Shirley here in the house tonight. She is a, she is a certified speaking professional, and she's also an accomplished corporate executive, global workforce management expert, a certified leadership coach, and a master of reinvention. She works with leaders at all levels and has worked in more than 30 countries around the world, spanning over five continents and delivering more than 80 speeches a year. She brings a high energy, high content, and high value message to audiences around the world. With over 20 years of business experience and a variety of senior and executive leadership roles with Fortune 100 companies, Dr. Davis's expertise lies in providing solutions and strategies for achieving leadership excellence and in building high-performing and inclusive workplace cultures where all talent can thrive. Most recently, she worked at the world's largest HR membership association, the Society for Human Resource Management, as vice president of global diversity, inclusion, and workplace strategies. She's been featured, she's a featured expert in a variety of publications and media outlets, some of which includes NBC's The Today Show, The Wall Street Journal, USA Today, HR Magazine, and CNN.com. She's the author of Reinvent Yourself, Strategies for Achieving Success in Every Area of Your Life, and The Seat, How to Get Invited to the Table When You Are Overperforming and Undervalued, and has recently authored a LinkedIn Learning Online course entitled Inclusive Leadership, and I'm proud to say, of which I have taken. It's a fantastic course. So let's welcome to the show Dr. Shirley Davis. Dr. Shirley, how are you doing this evening? Hi, Lionel. I'm absolutely fabulous, and I am so honored and excited to be here tonight. So thank you again for having me on as your guest. Oh, you're more than welcome. Well, let's get started because I have a lot of questions, and hopefully we'll be able to cover <laughs> a lot uh, tonight throughout our conversation. So let's just get started. As I often do when I have guests here on my show, I love to hear uh, uh, stories of how you were introduced with money or either what I call your money story growing up. Will you please share your money story growing up? Well, growing up was great. I had both my parents working and my mom was actually an accountant and she was an accountant most of her life. She also worked in banking. And so dealing with finances was always her strength and something that came pretty natural to her. Um, my dad worked um, in car business and he made a lot of money, but he wasn't as schooled on it and as um, astute on it as my mom was. And so my mom was the one that really did a lot of the financial management and understood savings and retirement and investing and life insurances and that kind of thing. And she's the one that really taught me. And quite frankly, I followed along her trail when I first left high school and went into college, I actually worked at a bank and got into banking and finances uh, as well. So that's a part of my story. But, you know, I still grew up where my parents were very frugal. We weren't rich, but we weren't really poor that we knew of, right? You know how you grow up older and you learn later that, you know, we were on oh, yeah. government programs and we did have government cheese and, you know, yes. we were living you know, so we, we were living off of the gardens. You know, my mom and dad were farmers as well, too. So, yeah, but I never knew that we were 
you know, really struggling because they always mm-hmm. were able to make ends meet. And my mother could always stretch a dollar, and she always knew how to add more water to the spaghetti and knew how to make everything out of rice and beans. And so mm-hmm. we learned, too, to, you know, through that, that you can survive, but you just also have to be frugal and you have to be um, resourceful. And that's what, they, what, that's what I learned from my mom. Oh, cool. So, yeah, yeah. So you, a lot of people know about the, the ketchup. I remember when you, you you making me go back to some childhood stories. <laughs> I think you know what I'm about to say. You know, when you when you're yeah. about to run out of ketchup, you put a little water in yeah. and shake it up. Yeah, see, absolutely. See? <laughs> see, I grew up on banana sandwiches and stuff. I grew up on peanut butter and jelly. I'm not ashamed of it, but you know, oh, as no. I look back over that too, for us, it was still, you know, we were fed. We were not hungry. We didn't go unclothed. We didn't ever go without a roof on our head. We were never on the street. And so, I thank God for my parents who made the sacrifices. But I also remember going to the Goodwill. I remember going to consignment shops. I remember going to garage sales and. So that my parents made do, and then I had three brothers who passed each other's clothes on down to the other, and we shared clothes yeah. in our family with our cousins, and so we all, you know, we learned we learned to make do. Absolutely, to me that's to me that's family right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Now I have to ask. I don't know if I ask you this question. Which bank did you work for? A couple of them, actually. When I started in okay. at Maryland University, is where I went to college in College Park. So I'm a terrapin. Hmm. But there I started at a little regional bank called Equitable Bank, and then ultimately that's become Capital One. But then when I went to graduate school in Oklahoma, I worked for a a little regional bank called Sooner Federal, which ultimately got bought out by Bank Four, which ultimately got bought out by Fourth Financial, and now today it's Bank of America. And then I worked at uh, Capital One for eight years as well, too. So I was in banking and worked in financial services for almost 20 years of my corporate career. Oh, cool. See, I spent some time in banking all here in the uh, in the Tampa, Florida okay. area uh, on okay. the commercial side and managed the branch office a couple of years and uh, did some uh-huh. operation compliance. And uh, I always say I'm I'm still a banker at heart, even to this day. I, I still love uh, yeah. love the field and all. Well, that's great. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> now, now, I have to tell everyone, I, I only read uh, a portion of your resume. I, I always look at uh, that's that's a brief summary of what <laughs> of who Dr. Shirley Davis is. Now, how how do you manage all the things that you do? Can you shed some light on that? How do you manage? Because you you yeah. do, I mean, you've written books, you you teach, you you speak. Uh, how do you manage all these things? Yeah, I'm a mom, you know, and I am a business owner, entrepreneur, you're right. And then I'm also very involved in my community, very involved in my church. But the way that I'm able to do a lot of that, Lionel, is I have a really good support team around me. One, I've got great family and friends, those that I consider my closest inner circle, who really help build me up. They pray for me. They support me in whatever I need. And it's so important to be able to have people who can speak in a very positive way, who speak life over you and never make you feel like you can't do this, you can't do that. So I'm always feeling pumped up and and empowered and inspired just by the people around me. That's one thing. Then I also have, like I said, a really, really good executive assistant who is absolutely phenomenal, who is multitask, uh, multifaceted and multi 
talented, and she just helps me do a lot of things in running my both personal life as well as my uh, business. She is actually my personal concierge, and she also helps me with my business as my executive assistant. She really is like my operations manager, my graphic designer, my web management. She helps me with writing. She helps me with client engagements and proposals and paperwork, all kind of stuff. So it's great and it's important, really critical to anyone's success that they're going to continue to move up and take on greater, larger responsibilities is you got to have a good team around you. And then, like I said, what's really important to me is I try to manage it all and integrate it all. So what I do in my personal life are the things that I also enjoy doing in my professional life and the things that I also enjoy doing in my community as well as in my church. So I teach in my church, right? I speak in my church. I coach and consult in my church as well as I do that in the community. So I've learned to merge all of that together. Oh, see, that's great, that because it, 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 it's all in one, and that's what I love uh, about you. I mean, mm-hmm. when we first, you know, when I first saw you on LinkedIn, and then we were able to connect, and then just mm-hmm. uh, to speaking with you, and then just I, I, I always always get to learn a person and by following them, especially in this day and time, you can do a lot of videos and kind of get a feel of who the person is and what they're all about. But also now being able to talk to you, I have to say, mm-hmm. you, you ha- having that 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 title, the success doctor, fits you well, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I, I really appreciate it because it, you you're a great example to uh, a lot of us out there that are building up their businesses, but but not only from a business standpoint, but also from a personal standpoint. So if you want yeah. I want a good role model, a good somebody to look up to. Uh, Dr. Shirley Davis is surely one, uh, uh, and you didn't, and she didn't pay me to say that, so she didn't even expect me to say that. But I have to, I have to give credit where credit is due, and give honor thank to whom honor is due. So thank you for what you do. Yeah. Now, now with all the business activities that you do, uh, you have created multiple streams of income. Can you kind of uh-huh. share, give some light on why is that important? Having streams of income. Oh, my gosh. So that you never have all of your eggs in one basket and you never have a situation where you have a recession that happens and then you have nothing else to fall back on. Uh, I just, for me, as a woman of faith, I don't believe that we should just have one um, one way of making money or bringing in income. I think that we are all multitask, excuse me, multi-talented, and I think we're tasked with utilizing our gifts and our talents and our strengths and our abilities, uh, all of those things to to multiple ways, right? So if mm-hmm. I'm a speaker, I can do that in a lot of different ways too. So in my business, um, I am not just a speaker. I really am a business owner who has a gift that has I've then been able to springboard that into multiple revenue streams, right? So in my company now, I have about 12. So even though I'm speaking, I also do speaking is really like for me an entrance into the organization to then help them to see what else I offer and to then turn that into 
a long-term consulting contract. Some of them I've worked on four or five years. Some of them are one year, two years. But that's the goal is to get in there, to help them to see what all that I do and to be able to leverage me in that way. But I also do coaching programs. I do mastermind programs. I've got books. I've got workbooks. I've got e-learning programs. I do webinar series. I mean, I have a DEI mastery course where, you know, people can come here and take courses. I do retreats. So there's a number of different things. I even do uh, just rolled out a new uh, program this year called the Brain Date. So this is when clients call me and they're like, hey, I just want to pick your brain. So now I have them set up a retainer where they can have my brain on rental for up to an hour to two hours a month, and they pay that retainer. Whether they use it or not, you know, it's up to them. But at least right. they can then call me, and within 48 hours, we're talking, we're consulting, and I'm giving them best practices. I'm working, you know, working through some issues with them, helping them to think out some things and to, you know, help with their strategy. So just, just all these ways that you can turn things into, you can take one idea, one service, one product, and turn that into multiple ways that you can deliver it. Wow. I hope that everybody that just heard that, uh, I always encourage uh, my listeners to always keep a pad and always keep a pencil with you uh, when you have, especially when you have nuggets of information. So that you, you have rocked my world. Even I look at my own self. Uh, I, I, I need to create some more streams of income, even for myself now, uh, just hearing that list there. Now, now what are, I mean, with growing your business, I mean, how long have you been doing what you do uh, at this point? How long have you been doing it? Um, you know, I've actually been speaking for over 20 years. Now, mm-hmm. I've worked in corporate America for about 30 years of my career, and it was just the last almost six years now that I stepped out to do this full-time as an entrepreneur, truly left my corporate good job that, you know, was paying six figures, paying, you know, steady income and paying mm-hmm. very, very good benefits. It's been almost six years that I left that to move into what I am now. And so for me, it has been the best decision that I ever made, but it took thought, it took time, it took real planning, it took a lot of prayer, it took a lot of faith, but, you know, I got to that degree. But I've been speaking most of my, you know, my career, whether it was in trainings. Remember, I told you I was in banking, but I also moved into training as well. So I left, you know, the teller side, the branch manager side, and then moved into training and developing other customer service reps who would come in uh, as new employees to the bank. And then ultimately I was like, oh, my God, I love this. I found my niche. And so I then took on a job in the bank as their training director and then just stayed in training, then moved into leadership development and then moved into all these other roles. But I've always been doing something that allowed me to train, to speak, to coach, to teach, because that's what my gifting is. That's what I was purposed and wired. That's what God, that's how he he made me when he designed me was to do what I'm doing. Hey man, perfect. So, so what what would you say to uh, to this question? What are some of the keys to growing a business? If you, I got some, I know business owners that are out there listening. What are some of the keys, uh, based upon your own experience? Mm-hmm. What are some of the keys to actually growing a business, or what were your mm-hmm. methods of growing your business? Sure. Um, And let me back it up just a little bit and talk about methods for starting the business, right? Because too many people within the first first 
second and third year is when you'll have the greatest amount of challenge. And if you aren't prepared and ready, you'll end up, you know, the business won't work. It'll fail. You'll lose money and you'll end up closing your doors. So for me, I would say to all business owners and entrepreneurs and business wannabes is to really plan it out first, to not just quit your job. I didn't do that. I had a three-year exit strategy. To, you know, don't just go jumping off and not having something that you planned out, thought about, and that you're ready for, right? So it wasn't just about raising the capital. It wasn't just about creating the products and the content. It wasn't just about doing the business setup and, you know, doing all the legal stuff, the paperwork and becoming, you know, a business or a corporation. But I had to invest in myself. Let me tell you the hardest part about it, Lana, was I had to get over my own fears. My own fears that I was inadequate, my own fears that I might not succeed, my own fears of, oh, my God, I got to take care of a child, and I'm going to give up a, a steady paycheck, and I won't have benefits, mm-hmm. and what if don't nobody call? So, I mean, I had to get out of my own way. I had to stop listening to my own negative voice, and I had yes. to surround myself with people who had been already successful in the business that I wanted to be in. So I got around other speakers. I got around other business owners. And I got around those who were successful for a long period of time, and I asked them to mentor me, and they were my coaches, and I asked questions, and I went to training programs, and I've read books, and, I mean, I went through the whole small business administration. I did the work to make sure that I was set up for success from day one. And, yeah, by the way, I saved money during those three years. Every time I would get a bonus at work, I was saving it. Every time I get a tax refund, I was saving it. Any extra money that was unexpected that came in, I put it aside, and that was for building my business. Now, that's the building part, but then you go into the growing it. The growing it comes through your relationships because relationships is a new currency, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just what you know. It's not just who you know, but it's what they know about you, right? So you can know a whole bunch of people, but if they don't know you, it's not going to open doors. So to grow your business, you've got to be visible. You have to be connected. You've got to work your contacts. You've got to build a real expansive network. You've got to be present out on social media because that's the way that people make and find, you know, make decisions, find products, find businesses, and find you. So it's all of those kinds of things around growing your business. Wow. See, I, I, and I'm good, by the way. I, I, I'm taking notes as, as, you, as you're talking, so if I kind of stall <laughs> a little bit, it's because I'm trying to catch up here. Now, you hit on something when you, hit, when you said about relationships uh, being the new yeah. currency. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, 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 it behooves all of us to step out of our comfort zone of coming to a networking event and just standing there waiting. You have to go get what you want. You cannot just sit back and things are going to just come to you. Uh, you. You have to put yourself out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of people are uncomfortable sort of initiating conversations, but, you know, I used to, um, there's a, a great book that was written by George Frazier called Click, and he's the master on networking. But one of the things that he taught me is that when you walk up to a person or initiate conversation, you know, always just for, for them, they, it's not about who they are, but tell them who you are, what you do, and why should they care. 
And then always be willing to give away something free. Always be willing to be a resource to someone, be a blessing to someone else, and they'll be willing to sow back. So before you go asking for something, always be willing to give something. And then you got to really nurture your relationships, right? People go grab all these business cards and they never follow up. I stopped giving yeah. out business cards, and I just tell people, please link in with me because there is where I do a lot of my connections. I do a lot of my relationship building. I stay connected through all the things that I'm doing and, and that kind of thing. So for me, uh, you know, I'm just like I'm present on social media where I know that most people are if they're in business and if they're professionals. So that's the way to now kind of do your networking is to work it through social media. And then, like I said, part of that is reaching out to them personally and following up and just being available. Oh, perfect. Great. Now I want to shift mm-hmm. gears just a little bit here. Uh, we've talking talking about the business aspect. Now I want to kind of delve into the money piece and these other, other questions mm-hmm. that I want to ask. Now, now we live in this current world that, uh, that that we're in right now, where people, even business people, they are spending irresponsibly and they're mismanaging money. Yeah. What does financial responsibility mean to you as a successful professional woman of color in business? What does it mean to yeah. you? Yeah, it means a lot to me. It means the world to me because at one point in my career, I was broke. I was really you know, I, I was robbing Peter and then robbing Paul. Some people, you know, we talk about robbing <laughs> Peter to pay Paul. No, I yeah. was robbing Peter, and then I would rob Paul. I mean, I was so broke back in the day when I was working at the bank. These were the days before, um, you know, they, they cut out all of the um, the the ways now that you can float money. But it was back in the days where yeah. it took like three to five days for the check to get to the bank. So I could write <laughs> one check to a, to, to one, uh, one of my bill collectors. So that knowing that, you know, it's going to hold them to pay, pay period, right? I remember going to get high interest loans. I remember living off of credit cards. I remember going to, you know, to the Raven's Nest, which was where you could go to the pantry. So I have been uh-huh. at that place early, early on when my daughter was under five, six years old. And I remember being that broke that even I had my best friend move in with me who also was on government assistance. I couldn't get it because I was making just enough beyond the threshold but I had wow. her live with me so we could both live off of her food stamps. So I'm just being yeah. honest and keeping it real because yeah. that stuff taught me what not to do, to be in all that debt, to be buying stuff, to, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses. And then you find out that the mm-hmm. Joneses is broke too. So you don't need yeah. to be trying to keep up with people and trying to keep up facades and be someone you're not and wearing stuff that you can't afford to, you know, to impress folk that you don't even like. So those things were lessons that taught me about money. And so when I got out of that debt, and I mean, I had to walk that thing out. It wasn't no God delivered me immediately, and I was, you know, the next day I hit the lottery. Mm -hmm. No, it took me almost 10 years to walk that stuff out, to pay off credit cards. And and a lot of times I had to write them off as bad debt, and then I had to rework my credit score back up again. And I had to learn how to save money and I had to learn how to live within my means. And then I started Mm -hmm. learning how to live off of OPM, other people's money. I learned Mm -hmm. that I could go back to school and get my degree and I didn't have to pay for it because I was at a company that had tuition reimbursement. I realized that I needed to pay myself as I was also paying bills. So I started putting away money, you know, giving myself 10%. And I was certainly, you know, I'm a big believer in 
giving back to church and giving to charitable contributions and tithing. So I started Absolutely. doing more of that. I couldn't start out with 10%, but I started out with two. Then I started to four. Then I went to six until I got to now I'm at 15 and 20%. So it was those right. kinds of things that I had to walk out and learn that I needed to live within my means. And I was one of those, I'm today, even today now, and I can afford whatever I want, but I will go buy things on clearance. I don't go buy them at full price. You know, my dad who's yeah, in car business all his life taught me little things like don't ever buy a brand new car because the minute mm-hmm. you drive it off the lot and lost appreciation on it, it's nothing you can yes. write off. It's not a tax deduction. You know, invest in things that will appreciate and not depreciate. Go get life insurance that you can pass on as a as generational wealth. So those are the kinds of things for me that I learned about money. But I learned it because I was broke and I said once I get out of this. You know how we make that prayer. But God, oh, yes. get me out of here. I promise. <laughs> it won't happen again. I kept my promise. I kept my promise because that's not a situation I wanted to be in. But my daughter gave me my why. She helped me to stay out of debt because I said I will never allow her to see me living like this. And so I wanted to be an example for her. So before she turned six, I was out of debt and then starting to put in these, these new strategies in place. You know, you, 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 you said a whole lot, and I know pretty much what I'm about to say is going to hopefully challenge people. I won't say that they're going to be upset with me, and I might get, I might get some hate email, but uh, I'm going to have to go there. Um, when you talk about, you know, you were broke at one point, and then you, had to, you learned from any and all mistakes that, that, that occurred, and now you're, you're financially uh, stable, financially secure, but you're financially responsible now. It, it boggles, yeah, it boggles my mind that in today's time, with all the knowledge and wealth that's out there, people are still irresponsible with money. Yeah. And then they, 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 we drive sometimes the best car. We can have the yeah. best clothing, the best shoes, the best purse, the best TV but we don't have life insurance, our credit mm-hmm. bad, and you wonder why mm-hmm. you can't get funding for your business or just for your own personal life. If if I could get if if we can get people to really really look at themselves in the mirror and see what opportunities that are out there, but until they come in face to face, that hey, I'm irresponsible and I need to change. They I won't totally change. Yes, absolutely. We tend to buy our needs. Uh, we buy our wants, but we beg our needs, right? So you go spend all this money, like you just said, on these designer things, and we spend it on hair, we spend it on nails, we spend it on Gucci purses and all of that just to impress other people, knowing we can't afford it. But then we mm-hmm. beg for, or we go out and borrow money for our needs, right? The things that we need to be paying for, we don't have the money for that because we spent all the other money on things that are not necessary, things that are temporary, and things that have no level of appreciation at all. And you're right, we're not buying into life insurance. We're not even contributing into a 401K where your company has said that whatever you put in, we will match it 50%. I mean, that Mm -hmm. right there is a complete myth. But I think it's also, it's the miseducation of the African-American community that we tend to be the biggest consumers and we're not the biggest investors. As a matter of fact, our 
race, our ethnicity, the African-American race, is the lowest as, as, as it relates to median household income. We're on average about 38000 for the median household income. But then you look mm-hmm. at Hispanics, and they're somewhere around 45000 But then when you look at, uh, at the white race, actually, they're nearly – Seventy-eight to $90,000, and so we're way far beneath the, all the other ethnicities because we tend to be the biggest consumers. Yes, yes, and I, I'm trying my best, which is one reason why I ha- I'm so glad that I have this platform with during this show, and you know, being a financial educator at heart is to inform us. Um, you can have, I always tell people, I, I'm never a dream killer. I don't want to kill anyone's dream of what they want to do or what they want to become, but some things take time and it takes sacrifice. We cannot have the best starting out. It never, it, it just doesn't work that way. That's, it's not sustainable that way. You know, and I, I hear you were, you were saying about how it took time for you to recover uh, from your beginnings with, you know, living off of credit cards. God knows I've, I've been there. I had, I had seven credit cards at one time, Dr. Shirley. And, and, and I always, I always say, yeah, I always say they had my name on them and it came to my address. So I was responsible for, for making sure that I pay those things mm-hmm. off. But once I, right. I became, I, I, I educated myself and I began to put, uh, I used to put these things into practice of what to do. I paid those cards off. I operate now off of one card. I I actually use my card to collect points so I can convert it to money. And sometimes that money helps fund my own vacation every year. So it's these tricks uh, that we need to adapt to, but it takes sacrifice and it takes time uh, to get there. But uh, I think that sometimes we we have this Mm -hmm. microwave mentality that we want it right now. We don't want to wait for it. But for any success that, that you're going to get, it takes time to get there. You don't get success overnight. I mean, I'm quite sure you can attest to that. So, so t- tell us about success while I'm on that, on that, on that note there. How, how, do you, how did you get there? How did you view success? Or how do you view success for other people? How do you tell them all about that? Yeah, you know what? Success is relative. Now, 20 years ago when I was just, you know, um, I was in my prime of my career and all of that. To me, success meant moving up the corporate ladder, and it meant having a senior executive role. It meant having six-figure income. It meant having, you know, my own house and my designer. It meant all of those material things, right, that you can't take none of it with you. But as I got older and as I matured and as I started to understand that there's certain things money can't buy, Money can't buy you happiness. It can't buy you peace. It can't buy you good health. Not all the time, right? You need to have health insurance. Mm -hmm. But if you have cancer, you got to go take cancer treatments like everybody else does too. So it can't buy you some of those real important things. It can't buy you that peace of mind and the joy sometimes that you need. I've had all of those things and still was not really at peace and did not have the joy that we call unspeakable, right? That joy that Mm -hmm. the world can't give you. So for me... I truly had to recognize that success is really about living my life with purpose, living my life on purpose, waking up every day excited and blessed and thankful and grateful. It means having a good network around me. It means having good close friends that I love, that I trust, who I know have my back. 
It means being able to come home to peace of mind and being able to enjoy the little things in life. And I love traveling and, and those kinds of things, but that's what success means to me. Now, it's not so much about all the money. Those things come, but they come mm-hmm. when you have a, a more solid foundation that you're working from, and they come when you learn to do what you're passionate and purpose to do. Those things just absolutely come. And then it comes by giving and and being very charitable to other people. You give and it shall be given back to you. So those are things that I've learned about what success looks like. And then to me, success is love, right? Being Mm -hmm. loved and being able to love those that are around you and not having a bunch of drama in my life. I'm like, you know what? Les Brown used to say this all the time. I'm debt-free. I'm cancer-free, and I'm drama-free. And that's the way I live my life, too. And I thank God that I'm free of all of those things because those things money can't really change, right? So for me, I am happy about having a peaceful life, an enjoyable life. Yes, being comfortable, being able to Mm -hmm. travel and do what I want to do and buy what I want to buy when I want to buy it. But I don't Mm -hmm. buy most things at retail price. I don't buy most things at full price at all. I'm I'm big on waiting. I can be patient. I can wait till it's on clearance. I buy my winter yes. clothes in February and March when they putting out the summer stuff and they clearing out all the winter stuff. I, yes. You know, and I have a seamstress who makes some of my stuff as well too. But now that I have gotten to that place of financial freedom and money doesn't control me, but I control my money and I am mm-hmm. putting it in different pots for profitability and long term legacy. Those are the things for me that give me peace, and those are areas I think are important for success. Oh, perfect, perfect. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here um, um, as we move on. Give, our, give, our, give our, our, our tongues and our throat a little chance here. We're going to take a quick break, everyone, but please stay tuned. We're going to be right back, and we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Shirley Davis. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Listening to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances Show with host Lionel Shipman on the CWR Talk Network. It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. Alright, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese! Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car. Which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel... And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. 
At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTechStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show with your host, Lionel Shipman, on the CWR Talk Network. Well, welcome back. And if you're just now tuning in, uh, we are having a conversation with Dr. Shirley Davis. And this is the last episode of the Women in Finances series here on the Shape Your Finances show. So we let's continue our, our conversation, Dr. Shirley. Uh, in 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 lieu of the, I guess the recent uh, news of the economy, uh, possibly going into a recession. You know, I've been hearing that in the news here lately that there's a possibility mm-hmm. that we may be leading into a recession. How can uh, a business owner uh, recession-proof themselves in their business? Can you give yeah, us a shit um, on how you recession-proof? Absolutely. I, yeah, I did a session not too long ago where I was talking to actual business owners about that very thing is, you know, specific ways on how to recession-proof your business. And that one of the things that I said to them is to make sure that you don't, again, have everything all on one uh, one area, that you, multi, you, know, you, you have multiple strings, multiple revenues. So start to look at um, ways that you can do that. Being much more creative, bringing it sometimes it's, it's really helpful. I do this every two, um, t- twice a year. Um, every six months or so, I will have a team meeting, a strategic planning offsite where we come together and we just start thinking about what's possible, what else is out there, what aren't we doing. Stay on top of trends. Stay on top of what's hot. Stay on top of what's, um, you know, what's ne- what people are continuously asking for, what's needed, how is the market shifting and changing, and be willing to have a business that is agile and that is flexible that you can accommodate. Let me give you an example. So the work that I do in speaking and training and coaching business has really been all about workforce management, leadership excellence, culture transformation, and how do you master your own reinvention. But two years ago, whenever the Me Too movement kind of took off and you started seeing all of these different accusations and revelations coming out and stars and celebrities and athletes and CEOs and senior executives and companies were all getting found out and busted and all of that. So I had some of my clients who are trusted, trusted me to say, hey, Dr. Davis, I know you've been in HR all this time. I know you've been doing training on this, this, and this, but can you do some training on this, right? So it became, you know, can you do training on how to minimize harassment or how do you address harassment in the workplace, da, da, da. Well, I haven't done that kind of stuff in years, even though, yeah, I've been in HR for 30 years. I hadn't done any, you know, any training in the last at least seven to 10 years. But because that was the wave, that was the trend, that was the need, that was the demand, I was able to immediately shift my business model and add that in there. So I took off my December instead of going on vacation that year. I literally took it off and spent three weeks writing a brand-new course, writing an e-course, a webinar, a keynote, and then writing an actual four-hour training on how do you build a culture 
that is safe and respectful and a winning culture where people feel included and, and valued. That thing took off, and it ultimately ended up resulting in six-figure income within the next six months to a year simply because I was able to make a shift in my business and go where the need was. So that's what I would say to business owners in times of recession, but also in times of, you know, when things are going great, is that you always look for ways to be more creative. You listen for the trends. You listen to what clients are asking for and look at what the offerings are that are needed, and you'd be willing to make some shifts and changes in your business. The other thing I would say, too, about recession-proofing your business is, again, continue to save, watch your capital, you know, again, as much as you can, you know, use other people's money, OPM. And then the other part is um, engage in partnerships and alliances as well, too. So I have about six strategic partnerships that I've built and work with companies who are not necessarily direct competitors of mine, but we complement each other's business. So maybe they don't do exactly what I do around diversity or inclusion or leadership assessments or culture, but they do other things. And so we partner together to say, okay, well, I tell you what, you got this set of clients that I don't have. So if your clients ask about this particular area of expertise and you know you don't do it, send them my way and I will partner with you or I will give you the referral fee from that contract. So, you know, doing kinds of things like that will allow you to enlarge, you know, your area of responsibility, enlarge your territory, and be able to do more things, you know, instead of just being in just one niche. So those are some of the important things around doing it. Is And then also um, I'm big on making sure, again, you've got, a, gr- a great team of people who you learn how to delegate the tactics to so that you spend most of your time as a business owner creating the content or producing the product and then closing the deal. So those are my, you know, those are my two C's, content creation and close the deal. So, you know, le- business leaders need to understand that there's the drivers behind it, but you got to be the visionaries and you got to be smart and wise in the way that you run it. Wow. That's, oh, uh... I'm just typing away as you're talking. <laughs> Very good well, information. This, this stuff's some good stuff too. You bringing up some things that you know I haven't had a chance to to share with uh, as 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 of late because I do so much more stuff around leadership and business uh, management yeah. and workforce. But this is good stuff too. Oh, this is fantastic. This is fantastic. I mean, um, like I said, I'm I'm taking notes for myself there, and like I said, hopefully. You got that pen and pad going right now, listeners. A lot of good information here. Uh, now, I know we hit on this a little bit earlier, uh, especially uh, with our community, minority and black business owners. And we talked a little bit about, you know, I call it the glitz and the glamour, uh, pretty much ruling the day when it comes to arriving at our financial destination, meaning we give the impression that, okay, we got the clothes and everything else. Uh, so it's given this facade that we have arrived, but a lot of time we haven't gotten there at, in actuality. Now I, it's so funny. I created some um, videos. It, it was it's some some people like it and some people don't, but I, I call them financially trifling. Uh, and I use that word financially trifling in a in a humorous way, but there's a lot of truth behind it because. There are so many things that we do for as far as buying things or investing in things that really don't have uh, a good rate of return. 
but we do it to kind of give this facade that we have arrived. And I call and I call it uh, uh, the 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 con- consumer drive. So if can you kind of get enlighten us on uh, what are your thoughts around uh, being a consumer, uh, of being driven in a consumer uh, manner? Well, I think I just lost Dr. Shirley. Everyone, hold on just a minute. I think I just lost Dr. Shirley. Dr. Shirley? Let's see if we can get her back on the line here. Hold on just a moment. Just one moment, everyone. Uh, We lost Dr. Shirley. Hopefully we can get her back here on the line. Hi, thank you so much for calling. You've reached Dr. Shirley Davis, but I am unavailable right now to take your call, but would love to speak with you. Message and your phone number. Okay, Dr. Shirley. Dr. Shirley? Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) I lost you for a moment there. You there? Dr. Shirley? Can you hear me okay? Uh Okay, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Okay. Uh, I was asked, let me go back into my question there. Uh, I was talking around the, the, the top, uh, the subject that we kind of dealt with early on, uh, with kind of giving the facade that we have arrived, you know, but when we go out and we go buy the clothes and the shoes and we buy the cars and things like that, to kind of give the impression, I think we just lost Dr. Shirley again. I apologize, everyone. Let's see. Hold on just a moment. Hey, I'm here. Can you not hear me? Okay, now I can hear you. I'm sorry. It, I don't know why the line kept dropping. There. I know. I was just talking and talking. It doesn't sound like you heard me. I apologize. Not sure. But ask that last yeah. question because I don't want to lose any minutes on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was asking kind of what are your thoughts around being a consumer, uh, being consumer driven? You know, I, we kind of hit on uh, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. At, uh, early conversation when people go out and they buy the cars and the shoes and they buy the car, you know, all these things, but they re- they really have not really uh, uh, gotten into anything or invested in anything that will bring them a greater yeah. uh, return on their investments. What can can you share your, some of your thoughts around that? Yeah, first of all, I am sad to report that. Our, um, you know, our race and ethnicity, African Americans, as I said earlier, tend to be the greatest consumers. You know, on average, that you know, I was looking at the Consumer Reports and I was looking at the New York Times, and for every one hundred dollars in a white family, their wealth, black families hold only five dollars and four cents of wealth. So Mm -hmm. it really shows that we spend uh, much of our money as consumers on hair products beauty product, other beauty products, like getting our nails done and, and buying clothing and, and buying a bunch of expensive sneakers and, and other designer shoes. And then we spend our money on movies and entertainment and food, mm-hmm. restaurants and that kind of thing, but very little money spent on personal development. Do you know the average person reads one book a year? And then the, wow. in, in, in our community, we spend about, on average, $18 in personal development, so investing in learning, taking classes, 
you know, that kind of thing. So those are some areas where I think we have a huge opportunity to be more of an investor and not a consumer. And then we find oftentimes too many people, they don't have life insurance, and then when they, you know, they, they pass away or their loved ones pass away, and they have not been as financially responsible of creating, you know, at least a life insurance policy to cover your, the cost of your burial and all of that, then you have to start these GoFundMe pages, and you got to beg again, as I said, beg your, oh, okay. your, your needs and, and, and buy your wants. So mm-hmm. that we have a real issue there. So I think we have to be more educated, and it's fine to be a consumer if you are a bigger investor. I consume now, right? But I buy smart. I buy, you know, at the right time. I buy things that are on sale. I don't have to get the most expensive. I don't have to get the best. I don't have to get the, the designer all the time because I don't want to pay for a man's name who ain't paying for my bills, right? So yeah, I don't need right. St. John. Is St. John not going to pay for my bills? And then I got to. Go go and beg somebody because I got a St. John suit and I got some, you know, red bottom shoes or Christian Louboutins. I know what they are, but I don't yes. go buy all those things. I go to eBay. I buy stuff off Amazon. I'm good with going to consignment shops. I'm good with somebody saying, hey, I'm, I'm not wearing these anymore. How about you? I got some rich friends that don't mind passing stuff on to me, and I ain't too shamed to say, sure, I, I would love to wear your hand-me-down. So, you know, because I'm saving money, I want to be able to pass that on to my children. I want to be able to have my grandchildren in a better place because I told my daughter the other day, I said, girl, I'm more I'm more um, worthwhile to you dead than I am alive because you'll have a lot more of a generational transfer of wealth and money, but more importantly, faith and wisdom because I've taught her a lot of this too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, goodness. See, now now we're down to about six minutes, and gosh, we could continue what? on, I guess. <laughs> yes, the time has gone on. Uh, we have roughly about six minutes, six or seven minutes now. Okay. Now, How did that time went by fast? Wow. It went by very fast. And, of course, you know, I have some other questions, but I'm going to have to come down to the very end. Okay. Um, Give if you can please give your contact information for anyone that want to contact you oh, or sure. in touch. If you can kind of give us the whole gamut from website, social media, all, so forth and so on. Yeah, absolutely. I would love for them to connect with me on LinkedIn at Dr. Shirley Davis. I'd love for them to connect with me on Instagram, The Success Doctor. Um, like my Facebook page, The Success Doctor. And then also um, my website is drshirleydavis.com. And a lot of what I talked about tonight was a part of the book that I wrote several years ago called Reinvent Yourself, Strategies for Achieving Success in Every Area of Your Life. And out of my Chapter 7 was specifically on this, how do you repair your financial financial plan and reestablish your credit. And that's important that you understand a lot of what I said tonight. I actually pinned it because I was telling my own story and being really open and transparent about not always being here, but how I got here. And so there's some, a lot more tips in there. There's a workbook that goes with it that walks people through it all. So I hope that they'll stay connected with me there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Else. This has been a delight. Of course, you know, I, I may have to, not. I may have to. I would love to have you back here on the show again at, at some point, Dr. Shirley. Yeah, <laughs> I know yes, your yes. schedule is busy, but uh, if 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 you just let me know when you're available again, and uh, we would definitely love to uh, uh, get you back here on the show because I I still have some other questions. Uh, you're a great wealth of information, and uh, I really appreciate 
uh, your time here tonight. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you for the conversation, and thank you for this topic because it's so necessary, especially in our community, because we really do want to see our community prosper, and we really do want to see them, you know, be wealthy, and, and not just by money, but wealthy right. in knowledge, wealthy in love, wealthy in peace, wealthy in education. All of those things contribute to our overall success and long-term, you know, longevity yeah. and long-term health. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, good. Like I said, again, thank you so much uh, for being a guest here on the show tonight. All right, well. My uh, pleasure. Thank you again. I appreciate it and wishing everyone who is listening peace and blessings. Good, good. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. I want to thank you so much for tuning in tonight to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show. You can catch my show every Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you missed any of the past shows, as I stated earlier, you can visit my website at www.shipmanconsulting.com. Click on the uh, page designated for the radio show, and you can hear all of the episodes that I've done here on the show to include the Women in Finances series, along with many other uh, guests that I've had here on the show. And we're also on other platforms as well. So your Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and most recently iHeartRadio, you can hear the shows there as well. And if you're not connected with me on social media, please do so. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I have a YouTube channel as well, and you can also reach me there on LinkedIn. So with everybody, please remember these words regarding your money and your life. Give cheerfully, spend carefully, and invest wisely. And as I often do as I get ready to close my show, I love to end the show with some smooth jazz music. So we have some music by Mr. Marion Meadows. Thank you again, uh, Dr. Sheryl, for being here on the show. My pleasure. All right. Take care, everyone. We will see you next week. Take care, everyone. <laughs>